0: It feels like the future to me, but also I feel like it does tie into a timeless kind of thing that you were talking about, because like, when did this record get made?
1: Ah,
2: Hello, welcome back to Talking About Someday. We took last week off for the holiday, but... We're here with Stephen Clavier to talk about our song, Genesis, and to see where he gets inspiration from and hear about his musical journey. Um, hello, if you're listening on Spotify, Talking About Someday is now on Spotify. So um, we're going to get right into it. Here we go. Who are you? Please introduce yourself. My name is Stephen Clavier. Okay. <laughs> what <laughs> else do That's I fine. That's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> Do you have a memory about first time that you heard music that you really loved?
0: That's a really, like, interesting question for me. I grew up super Christians. The first music I heard was classical and, like, church music, which some of it is, like, really amazing and beautiful. But, like, I have, like, a very different relationship with that now. Like, I'm not into that, and I feel like I'm a recovering PTSD, sheltered Christian child. <laughs> so... I basically grew up in a church. My mom like was a church secretary and my dad was like heavily involved. Like even when I was like in preschool, my mom would like pick me up and then like she'd take me back to the church while she finished her work day. I would be like alone in this like gigantic church. The music my parents really sheltered me a lot of my life, so a lot of it was whatever they were listening to, which was either like Christian music or like they listen to a lot of broadway stuff when i got old enough my sister started listening to the radio so she is 11 years older than me um so that's kind of when i started hearing pop music and like music on the radio for the first time like, i would be like in the car driving with my sister and it'd be like it was like the 80s so it would be like paul abdul and like all that shit
2: and cindy Lauper. and
0: yeah 80s pop i guess was when i first really like was like oh shit yeah
2: that's when like you realize that there was this
0: other musical world yeah that yeah the, yeah for sure i mean i was like eight years old or something or nine years old and then i remember like not understanding what any of the words were or anything and i would just like make up the words but like i loved the music and i always knew the melodies and like stuff like that
2: and then when you started singing i'm guessing that it happened in the context of the church as well oh
0: 100 i mean my mom uh was the choir director too at one point and my sister like played the piano so church choir was how I started singing for sure. And so that was when you were how old?
2: As long <laughs> as you can remember? As
0: long as I can remember. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know when they start you. Like, I don't know when the age is, but it's like six, five or six. something. Like, I mean, as, lo- as soon as you can start to sing and speak, like you can start being in like a kid's choir. So like I was in like the little kid's choir first. Then I was in the teenage choir.
2: Right. So how long did you do that for?
0: (laughs) I mean, I did choir all through high school. I mean, I was like a choir nerd kid in high school. I was like the piano accompanist for my high school concert choir. And then I went to college for music. So I was in college choir too. So I did that really up until college.
2: What point did you start singing something that was not choir music?
0: I I would say middle school. That was a time when like Weezer came out, and I was like really into Weezer in like sixth grade, and like I mean the Weezer Blue the album. The Weezer Blue album it's just is like that, legendary. Yeah, Um but you know I grew up in the suburbs, so I was listening to the radio, but I also listened to a lot of R and B. But I didn't really like start writing stuff until I don't even know, like early twenties maybe, because I like never knew that I could. Like I obviously took music composition classes in high school and college. But it was, again, it was like that classical rigorous stuff that like sucks and what made me like actually not even finish music college because I was like, I was like, this sucks. I was like, this isn't fun. I'm like, I'm not inspired by this in any kind of way. You know, they teach you to, to listen to music so mathematically and to like think about it and look at it. And it kind of like took the soul out of it for me for so long because I, I appreciate it now that I like know those things because it's definitely helpful But um, it just came to the point where I would, like, listen to a song on the radio and just, like, I wouldn't really, like, take it in. I'd be, like, analyzing the chord progression and, like, like, thinking about all the changes instead of just really, like, just taking the song in and, like, feeling it. So it kind of, like, fucked me up for a little while, like, all that, like, rigorous theory and, like, music composition stuff. So I never really thought I could write stuff like that or, like, had the confidence to... Until I was like in my early 20s.
2: There's been a lot of people who are guests on the record who have the same story of some kind of traditional music schooling that then they really butt heads with. One thing that I always think about with that time of your life is a lot of the best pop music is like angst and sort of like emotions and people figuring out their emotions through this outlet. And that is just in direct opposition to like a traditional approach
0: doesn't allow for it I would sit in my piano lesson in college and my teacher would yell at me for like lifting my foot off the pedal like a millisecond too quickly and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about I'm doing it like how I feel like you know and that's how I've always been and like it's really funny because I went through so many voice teachers and piano teachers throughout my life because I would just like they'd get fed up with me or i'd get fed up with them because i just wanted to perform things the way that i wanted to perform them and most classical music teachers have no interest in like exploring your emotive or like how you feel about this song or anything it's like nope this is how it's written this is how you have to play it especially in college that's how you're graded you're literally graded on how well you're you're playing it how it's written so it's
2: i think it is interesting how looking back at that approach, there's a huge amount to be gained from, you know, the accuracy of portraying the masters and taking their work. And I can see how in the structured mode of music school, I mean, I guess that teachers really feel like you need to master that part of it. You, need to, you need to get that part yeah. down before you do your own part. But it just happens to be that when people have kind of like some of their st- the strongest feelings that they can bring to music, it's happening at the same time. Yep. So that's frustrating.
0: Yeah. I always had the bad luck of having these really like kind of insane egotistical over the top teachers too that were just like, that is not how Bach wrote this to be played. Steven, who do
2: you think you are? <laughs> like kind of bullshit, you this know? This is an insult. Yeah, exactly. The fabric like, that of kind the of structure yeah, of this yeah, music. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's weird. Cause for me, you know, my, music schooling was basically through jazz, which that had its own rules and its own study, yeah. obviously, which I had various success of keeping to, you know, because I fell in love with that instrument through just soloing and through just coming up with improv- improvising, essentially. Yep. And then when I had to read music and learn songs, that was the part where I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I never I wanted, wanted to improvise. I never
0: like There was be like stuff that I was like really into and then I would like want to play it my way and then I would be into like learning that song and then you know they're like here's the book and they like give you the fucking book and they're like we're gonna go through the book and then like there's like one song in the book that maybe is like you're like oh this is kind of cool like I liked a lot of the like darker classical stuff that I would do on piano at least like the really like dark shit I was like always into that because I'm always more of a like emotive. Person, it,
2: do you remember any of the names of composers for that?
0: My favorite classical piece of music is Mozart's Requiem. So it's uh, he wrote it on his deathbed, and it's this really dramatic, amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's like a really awesome piece of classical music, and that is like one of my favorite. It always will be. Like I love listening to that. I still I'd
2: listen to that today. Like at some point, you st- you realized you could write music. Do you remember the first? recording that you made
0: i mean now that you say this I, re- I remember as a kid like making up songs and singing them but i mean like seriously the first song that i wrote like was with luca curses we made a song together called sleep paralysis and uh that was the first song that i ever like recorded on a record like with a track and everything like that shout Back out to in, luca uh,
2: Trouble and bass days. Back in Trouble and Bass days, yeah. So, really, your first um, experience writing a song was in the electronic music format. Yeah, it was to a house track. And then I know that there's, since that point, a bunch of other songs that you've also done yeah, over so house music sin- or electronic music. since that music.
0: point, too, um, there there was a time when I started, um, I, I was MNDR's assistant for a little while, and like. I was kind of working with her, and then, you know, I also do nightlife stuff, so at the time, we were doing a party together, and then she is an incredible songwriter, um, writes for Kylie Minogue and a lot of people, um, and she had, she's, she had, at the time, been songwriting, and I'm like, I'm really into this, and so, um, you know, they kind of, like, encouraged me, and were, like, showing me things, and I started doing some more pop stuff, and, um... You know, kind of started going around and working with different people and just writing songs that never even went anywhere and just got pitched to like publishing companies and things like that. Um, and just like being in rooms with different producers and different writers and starting to really try to like flex that muscle, which is really... Uh, something you have to like keep going to
2: And in that sort of world as well, you have to treat things less precious because you don't know if the thing that you're working on that is gonna if anything's gonna happen with it. And you kind of it's it's like the craft. Most of the
0: time it won't. It, right, right. And so <laughs> unless you're Sia. And <laughs> Right. Um unless they're like tagging you to write something. But yeah, I mean especially if you're a nobody and you're just like if you are working with people who have access to publishers, or like you know, or producers that at least have access to somebody, and they're like, "Hey, come in and try something," um, I mean, chances are it's not not nothing's gonna happen with it. It's a very small percentage that, I mean, even like the best people I know that work in the business and make money writing songs have like the ratio of songs they write versus you know how many actually get placed to records is like low, you know. It's a, tough, it's a tough game.
2: Yeah, definitely. As, as someone who's dabbled a little bit on the producer side, yeah, I, I feel it 100%. So I'm trying to remember when we actually met. I mean, it had to be through Maggie. It was definitely through Maggie Um,
0: And we probably met at a telephone show.
2: That seems accurate. And I
0: think it might have been at the old place that used to be the annex. And I forget what the new name of it was called. But you guys did a show together. And that was the first time I probably met you. Very in passing.
2: And then, yeah, I just remember, like, hanging out with you more because you were good friends with Maggie. Yeah. Shout out to Maggie. Shout out to Maggie Maggie, Horn. We love you. Maggie Horn. (laughs) Living her best life right now. In L.A. In California. Yes. I mean, I think that I knew about the stuff that you had done with um, Luca. But I think it might have been that Maggie bigged you up and was like, Stephen is a really good singer. And that's how I like delved deeper into kind of like listening to more of your stuff. And immediately I agreed fully with her. Well, and I kind of like caught this, you know, like very soulful and emotive approach, but also kind of like reserved and whispery at the same time like you can sing you can get pretty big with your singing but it's still even when you're at your biggest it still almost sounds like you're like screaming in a whisper
0: I mean Aaliyah is like a huge influence of mine like 90s R&B so I think that is definitely a huge part of it but yeah I definitely have like a quieter approach for sure I
2: can blow too but like it's like right there's something about holding back that last bit that like really makes me want to like lean in to what you're singing, yep. which is really cool and definitely it has a contrast to some of the other singers over the yeah record which because there's some real like diva yes. vocals like with the yes. amy or like those Kalina Sanders like yeah. they're really like going they murder it balls yes. to the wall yep i just love the place that genesis fits in yep. with being super soulful but somehow being like part of this different breed yep. but then it Makes perfect sense. It fits really well with like the the rest of the record, I think. Yeah, sure. So when we started working on this, uh, which at this point was probably five years ago, so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I remember I was renting my studio over uh, on Montrose, and it was called the um, Dan Bro. I remember I invited you over there to just like vibe. Yep, and there began the. (laughs) <laughs> the journey, four-year journey of the one song, yeah. That's the thing, is like with this song, we only just finished it a couple months ago. From that first moment of working on it all the way through, like finally cracking the code at like the 11th hour, yeah. essentially, of the album. I really wanted it to be on there. I think you really liked it, but neither of us felt like it was where yeah. it needed to be.
0: It's interesting because I feel like it represents two very different parts of me. Like when we started the record, I was very it was very in the beginning stages of when I was starting to songwrite. So, you know, and that's like we ended up keeping those verses. And then the chorus is what we kind of changed later. Before we get
2: into that, the foundation of the track is that keyboard part. Yes. That kind of like loopy keyboard part. And I think that that, you know, that really like sets the tone for the whole yep. song. It puts it in a kind of mysterious... Almost like semi-magical. It's dreamy. Yeah.
0: A lot of people, more than one person, have said that it reminds
2: them of the desert. Interesting. I guess it's kind of like stark, like the desert. I mean, it's basically like an analog keyboard. You know, I always feel like I can like really dig into those types of sounds. Like, I mean, that's a lot totally of information your shit. In there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like an analog purist. Like I just like to have some of everything. And so with that sound, it just provides like the bed and the primary texture for everything that happens in the track. Do you do you remember what you were thinking when you heard? I mean, I can go into what the song is about. Yeah. So what were you feeling, and what yeah. is the song
0: about? I usually don't like to actually explain what songs are about, but I will. Um, and and the reason is because I like to. I think that like when people listen to a song, they have their own like personal experience with it and then like if you like explain like oh this song is about this you could like take it away from them but it it ruins
2: um, like the universality of it a little bit yeah 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 this is but at at the same time a good song like people can and maybe by the point that they hear this someone is going to have made their own story yeah
0: about it but um but anyway it's kind of like being trapped in a relationship loop of um just the same shit going around in the circle, which I think a lot of people have that are in relationships for a long time. It's just kind of like, yo, we need to we need to move on. We need to like change this cycle. Basically, is what what it's about. We're like stuck stuck in rebirth, so we're like ending and beginning and ending and beginning over and over again.
2: It's funny how a name like Genesis directly relates back to your time in the church. I know, I know. It's so like,
0: (laughs) uh, it's funny because I I thought about that. I was like, oh, there was the part of me that didn't even want to use that because I want to like block that out of my life so much. Like I repress a lot of my Christian upbringing because I feel like it's like damaging, (laughs) but um. Yeah, it comes out,
2: you know, for sure. Yeah, and it's part of your life, too. Yeah. So I think that yeah, yeah, part yeah. of, I feel at least now, like, in this stage of my life, a lot of the things that I tried to run away from in my 20s and late 20s, I'm now acknowledging as part of who I am. For sure. And I think it's, uh, you know, that sense of rebellion from how you grew up and, you know, your youth is part of everybody's part most people's lives. Yeah. And, I, and it's been interesting for me as I get older to realize that there's been this other process of recognition of how all of those experiences are really still like baked within me and a foundation to who I am, you know, reinterpreted and, and, and kind of with the perspective of all the life that you've lived. Yep. You know, you can't take the choir boy out of Stephen You Steven can't Clavier. take the choir boy <laughs> out of No, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent. There's just like a, he's a choir boy who has also spent like a decade in nightlife industry, sort of like wheeling and dealing and being foundational to the structure of a lot of the most important nightlife in in New York. Well, thank you, sir. (laughs) Um, Getting back to the track a little bit. Another thing about this song is that it starts off as kind of a traditional verse chorus structure like a pop song but then it goes off the rails yep and i always feel like it gets unlocked from that loop that you were talking about the cycle and just sort of like goes off into a realm of pure emotion yep like i love that this happens because just when you feel like it's gonna have an annoying pop song bridge it just sort of like takes a hard left and just like goes into this like anthemic choral kind of section that drives it to the end yep i want to talk for a second about when you revealed that you studied latin oh yeah (laughs) i mean yeah so well that
0: was just like if you're a vocal major in college you're singing a lot of latin classical music I didn't study Latin as, like, a language. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. But, that makes sense.
0: Um, you know, as a classical, like, vocal person, you sing tons of Latin music, like, like, Latin classical is written in Latin. Right. Yeah.
2: Can't even remember. So at I some don't point remember we where came, we got it we from. We came or, up with the idea of having there be this, like, yeah. Latin chanting yes. in the background of the second verse. Yes.
0: I'm fairly certain I, like, looked for some kind of, like, Latin song or poem that had a similar meaning to like what was happening in the song and then um we just took those lyrics and then i like chanted them in i'm sure they're going to be like your pronunciation is terrible <laughs> if somebody's listening to it because we just i just did it however i wanted to but
1: <laughs> with my breath i could speak a thousand words it would set us free
2: I mean, it definitely is a serious vibe. Yeah. In the the mysterious tone that I was describing that the song has, this lends it almost in, an even more like ancient and elemental yeah. feeling to it, where you really are out of time inside the song, which this is almost like time machine yeah. music, because you enter the song and you're just like, Whoa! Like, it's like where chanting going on? Where am I it's even like, like? Yeah. Somebody was described that it was sounded like Sade song produced by Tears for Fears. I've heard Sade like as
0: well. I've had yeah. a couple people say it sound you sound like it sounds like a male Sade song. Right. Which, which is literally the great. biggest compliment <laughs> yeah. I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah. I mean, like, good um, Lord. Yeah. Sade is obviously a big influence as well on me. So I think that's pretty clear. Of course, of <laughs> course.
2: We haven't talked about. Writing of the what is now the chorus the that chorus, really just happened yeah. a few months ago. We didn't really have a chorus. We had like right. a
0: really bad version of what would be a chorus. Yeah, and I, I was, don't even remember what it was it, was. it was
2: it was basically like we fall. Yeah, it we was fall. it was yeah, really yeah. simple. Yeah. Well, like, and I kept trying to convince myself that this song didn't need a chorus. That it was just this mood, <laughs> and it was just gonna like take people on this journey, man, yeah. and, and like they were gonna live inside of the skin of it, but ultimately it was a kind of a yawn. Yeah. Like in that mode. We both felt that way. And for me, the thing that cracked it open is I just was like, oh, there needs to be like a chord change. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's basically just like the same kind of loop over and over again, which is hypnotic and, and meditative and awesome in some way. But I remember started playing around with different chords and trying to not have it be too dramatic a change, but just enough so that like it really felt like we were going somewhere. Yeah. I sent you that new part and it was just like immediately unlocked what needed to happen and you came over and we like banged that part out in like 45 minutes. Yeah.
0: A lot happens between that and the first time we recorded though. It's interesting because I feel like there's like two different Stevens on that record. I had done a lot of writing and a lot of music stuff between then and I feel like I found myself a little more with my writing and found my voice even a little more of like what I want it to sound like, or, uh, or be. Um, and I am definitely more like confident now than I was like five years ago or four years ago, whenever we started it. But yeah, that little change. Cause we were stuck on it. I was like, I can't get anywhere with,
2: you tried to do like a bigger chorus section on the same. Yeah. And it, it wasn't working. And it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it like I sort of just came up with this time machine thing or metaphor on the fly, but it does kind of align with the two Stevens like you're talking yeah. about about how that because the the verse and the chorus basically have four years between them. Yeah. Um that's another aspect of yeah. of the track that gives it that sensation, yep. which is cool to think about. And I sort of am just realizing right now. <laughs> um Regardless, that was certainly the thing that made it feel like a song that could exist 100%. On, on the album.
0: I mean, once we got through that chorus, I was like, oh, this sounds like a, a song now.
1: Been so loud.
2: Are there any other, like, sonic stuff from the production that you really like? I mean, I really love that
0: kind of breakdown. You kind of go into your sax solo and, like, I'm kind of doing the, like... Like, you're already in this dreamy place and then it just, like, really, like, pushes you off at that point. The contrast between my melody and yours together, like, is cool.
2: One of my personal favorite parts on this song is towards the end of that really anthemic building section that kind of finishes the song up there's like this building piano part that happens yes and then turns into a kind of little piano solo yeah that part's that, cool that that rides the track out that. when people ask me what instrument I play I say I play a saxophone and I like fake everything else and, and that's an example of like I just literally like faked that part, but somehow when I listen back to it, it sounds like some a really accomplished piano yeah, player 100%. playing piano for sure, like very like yeah natural. Like it sounds like a for some reason I'm, I'm thinking of Keith Jarrett, who's like he's like a kind of corny jazz pianist, but th- it th- I think that this this sounds like quasi corny but emotional. Jazz piano part to me. I agree with the way that the chord voicings are, and I, I don't even know like how I did it, which is weird, but it works, and I'm stoked that I was pressing record <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when, when I played it, um, because now it's there, and yep. I and I can uh, both me and everybody else can listen to it and hopefully enjoy. It's really like a bookend to the song because yeah. we sort of like reach the crescendo of the whole thing, and then. There's a few bars of kind of just like taking it out. Yep. It's like a very nice
0: outro with like right. a lot going on that sound, it all comes together, but it's all very
2: fluid. The other thing that is a repetitive theme across these episodes is that I ask everybody what the word someday means to them. So that's the title of the album. What does someday mean to you?
0: I mean, that definitely is a. Uh as a concept feels like a very positive vision for the future or like it feels like the future to me like someday this will happen or someday but also i feel like it does tie into a timeless kind of thing that you were talking about cuz like when did this record get made someday
2: <laughs> you might be the first person that's referenced the past with someday which I definitely feel that way about someday. Yeah, sometimes. For but sure. I got to give you a special shout out for making the someday release party happen at House of Yes. No problem. It was awesome. It was super it was great. Happy to have it. We were stoked. Um, and thank you also for being a guest on this record and for doing this little conversation with me. Thanks for having me, my friend. Anytime. And now here is the full version of Genesis. Thank you.
1: It stars with new. sorcery.